Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. Today I am with Stacy Francis. She is the president and CEO of Francis Financial, which she founded over 15 years ago. She's a certified financial planner, a certified divorce financial analyst, and a certified estate trust specialist. She's also the founder of Savvy Ladies, a nonprofit that has provided free personal financial education and resources to over 15,000 women. Wow. Stacy's received numerous awards, including Investment News Top 20 Women to Watch in the United States, Financial Planning Hearts of Financial Planning Award, and Financial Planning's Magazine Pro Bono Award. She was also listed as a National Money Hero by CNN Money Magazine and received the Women's Choice Award for one of the best financial advisors for women. Stacy is nationally recognized financial expert as an active member of CNBC Financial Advisory Council, the Forbes Finance Council, as well as an expert contributor to the Wall Street Journal. She's also appeared on over 100 media outlets, including CNBC, CNN, Good Morning America, Investment News, Money Magazine, NBC, The New York Times, and USA Today. We are very honored to have Stacy on the podcast, Breaking Money Silence, today. So I'm so excited to have you on the show, Stacey. Uh, you're here to talk about the myth, men should manage the money. So tell me a little bit about what motivated you to pick that myth today. It's a myth that I think that many women are uh, succumb to, and we find ourselves managing our own money on our own through college and in the beginning of our worker, working career, and then we get married. And all of a sudden, um, we give up the reins to our financial control to our financial knowledge and it's something that uh, unfortunately can can really hurt you long term even though in the short term it's an easy thing to do. Right and I know that this myth or, or your work is kind of personal uh, in terms of you've seen the downside of when men manage the money and a woman um, really takes a back seat. Can you speak to that just a little bit? It's something that I see over and over again. Women who are not in charge of the finances are disadvantaged significantly. And um, most women, 80% of women, are going to have to manage money on their own, whether they like it or not, at some point in their life. And usually it's because of a divorce, um, their husband passes away. So this is not a uh, an option. Women really need to to be in charge and you know what I've seen personally and what really scarred me was watching one of the people I love most in my life my grandmother who gave up the reins to grandpa and he managed all the money and she ended up staying in a emotionally financially and actually physically 
very ruthlessly, physically abusive marriage her entire life. And when I asked her why she stayed, because I just couldn't understand how, how you could let someone do that to you, um, she said it was because of money, because she felt like she was going to be a bag lady if she left. And he had really made her believe that that was going to be the case. Wow, that's super powerful and super upsetting. And, I, and so that kind of led you, first of all, to pick this myth here, but also in terms of your work at Francis Financial to really help women not be in that position. Yes, our work will never be done and I will never rest until women stand up and realize that financial literacy, understanding what's going on with your money is not a, a negotiable. Mm -hmm. This is something that you need for you to protect yourself regardless of whether or not you have a wonderfully happy marriage or a happy partnership. Um, this is something you need to do for you, but you also need to do it for your children, for your loved ones, because you are setting a example. And women who see their moms give up the financial reins can find themselves going in that really, really dangerous direction too. So before we get into kind of some tips on how to do that, What's the upside? Because each time we talk about a myth, usually there's a um, some sort of reason that it works, and then certainly it doesn't work. And we're talking about how it doesn't work, but yeah. you know, why do so many women do this? And, and does it ever work in a relationship to let go of the financial reins? You know, I have to say that I have been wooed by this too because there's a big upside. Uh, the knight in shining armor, who doesn't want to have uh, the, <laughs> exactly. the knight in shining armor? I grew up with um, with Barbie and, um, you know, Ken always took care of Barbie. The good news is that now we have astronaut Barbie and, and a few other things, <laughs> accountant Barbie, I think yes. we might have too. Um, but, you know, we there's always an upside and the not having to worry about the money and just feel confident and comfortable that it's being taken advantage, you know, taken control of, or, you know, even not necessarily knowing if it's being taken control of and putting your head in the sand. There's definitely an upside to that because you don't have to spend that time, right? And often uh, for a lot of women, finances are pretty intimidating. So it's, uh, it can be easier just to look the other way. Mm. And so, this probably comes from my own bias or my own tendency is how do women not overcorrect? Because, you know, I don't know if you're saying, I don't think you're saying this, but I don't know if you're saying, oh, make sure you take control, um, which, you know, one of the things that I've shared with people is when I got engaged, the first thing I did was march my husband right down to the bank and we <laughs> opened a joint account, which then I controlled for 10 years, um, which, you know, in some ways that's the gender reverse of what we're talking about ultimately was not useful. Uh, and now we have a much more balanced situation. Um, is that what you're proposing, or you're proposing something different for women who are listening in today? I'm definitely proposing something different, and there are um, two ways of, of uh, looking at this. It's looking at um, if you're married, mm -hmm. how, how do you make that work in your marriage so that you're both up to speed, and if you're not married or not in a, a, a serious relationship, how do you make that work? Well, it's a little easier when it's just you. Right. Yes. When it's just you. In this regard, yes. Yeah, exactly. In this regard, um, you have no choice. It's just you, right? So you need to be 100% on top of the finances, you know, making sure that you're putting money into your emergency fund for that three to six months of your living expenses, making sure that you're putting in, if possible, maxing out your retirement plans at work, um, that you're paying down any type of student loans, that you're building wealth through owning a home, all those things. 
when it comes to a marriage, unfortunately, um, you know, the great thing about marriage is that there's another person, but the negative is that there's another Another person. person. (laughs) And, uh, you know, my husband and I have also grappled with this because I'm a take charge person. And I realize that I'm not doing any service to myself if, if he's not involved. And so something that we do is we'll do financial date nights. And so we're both involved. And he does more of the everyday bill paying. Mm -hmm. I do more of the long-term investing and savings and um, investment management. Um, But when we come together and we talk about where we're at and does this look good, um, he tends to not like the financial planning and investment management. So we figured out ways to make it enjoyable for him. So this sounds really crazy, but we set up his bike on a bike trainer so that he can be on his you know, stationary bike and he'll be looking at me and I'll be updating the financial plan. And so he gets his workout and I am happy because he's involved and I'm not sitting there resentful that I'm in a you know, corner closet updating our plan and he's not seeing all this work and not really engaged. So we found a great way to have us both be engaged. I love that. My husband's a mountain biker and so maybe this is a strategy that I could use. You could do it. Yeah, but what I love about it is that each person is getting their needs met Yeah, and um, it's not a drag for the person who finances isn't their life, so to speak, but it's important to both of you. So for women or men who are listening into this podcast today, what are, you know, two or three tips that you can provide to them that can help them start to set, start to look at this myth and maybe bust it open in their lives of saying, you know what, maybe it isn't a man comes with a plan or a man should manage the money. Maybe I should take some responsibility. So how can someone go about doing that? You know, the, the first thing to do is to carve out some time uh, where you devote to that. And it could be um, a half hour a month. It could be a half hour a week. You can decide um, how quickly you want to really dive into this. And setting that time is going to be really the most important piece. And what you do during that time is look at your budget, look at your spending, look at where you are saving your money or maybe where you're not saving your money. And uh, do you need to be instead um, really ramping up paying down down credit card debt? So starting to put those pieces in place for what we call really sound and smart financial behavior is really key and really important. So the first thing I would say is, you know, definitely carve out the time. Um, Number two, get control of understanding where your money is actually going. And you can use mint.com to make it easy. It's a great software that actually tracks your spending and categorizes it for you. So that's a really great way to do that. And then the third piece is getting really smart about paying down your debt and also putting money towards your future. So I'm going to play devil's advocate. And so I love all of those tips, but I say I'm listening in and I'm thinking, you know, I've tried setting aside time. It just, I never seem to keep that appointment with myself. Yeah. Or I get really anxious when I sit down and think about this, right? I feel kind of stupid. I don't know, you know, I don't know what to do when you say pay down debt. You know, I understand, but I don't really understand. So what advice would you give for that person who's listening? Well, I would say, you know, break the money silence, (laughs) what you talk about. Um, We're really good at meeting a friend who we're meeting, uh, let's say, at 7 a.m. for a jog. Um, We're going to show up, and we're going to make sure that we're there because we know that our friend's going to be pretty ticked off if we don't show up and they have to go on this jog by themselves. And so one of the best things you can do is to break the money myth and start to talk about money and have accountability. That accountability could be uh, a friend. It could be a family member. It could be a financial planner. 
uh, figure out what what do you need in your life to hold yourself accountable because we know very clearly for example just with exercise for example that if we have someone that we're accountable to um, we're actually going to do that exercise where with finances we don't think about that but it's actually very true that if we are holding ourselves accountable that we're going to do this and we're going to put this much aside to pay down our credit card debt this month um, you actually will do it if you're finding yourself having to be accountable to someone. Hmm, I like that idea of, of it doesn't have to be a financial planner if you're feeling that that's too big of a step or doesn't fit for you. It could be a friend, it could be a coach. And you'd be surprised. You can connect with somebody who has some financial knowledge that they might really enjoy sharing it with you and maybe you can get a workout at the same time. And something that you can even do which is um, interesting and I just did it is throwing something out on social media. So for me, um, this month, I am not drinking any wine. And it has been uh, really, really powerful. And I wanted to see, could I do it? Could I do it? And I threw it out on social media, on Facebook, and said, all right, October is no wine month. And I have to tell you, had I not done that, uh -huh. I know I know that I would have broken down and had a glass of wine. So this might even be a great way of saying, you know what, this month I commit to paying down X credit card or whatever and just throwing it out on social media and you're going to get such great feedback, such great support. That's another way of holding yourself accountable. Wow, I like that twist of um, really putting yourself out there and, and you know, it is there is something and there's actually research, I'm sure you know this, about if you commit and you say it verbally and you put it in writing, so social media does both. Yes, and public. And public. Talk about public. <laughs> so we'll have to have that glass of wine later if exactly. November becomes wine month again. If not, it's okay. We can yeah. still have uh, juice together or whatever yeah. it is that, yeah. you're, that you're drinking, Stacey. Um, I think those are great tips. Now, before we um, get into how people can find out about you, I'm curious uh, a little bit more about your specialty in divorce. I know there's some women out there who are probably listening in who are either contemplating splitting up uh, and maybe are like your grandmother in, in terms of the fear of what that means for them or on the other side and are saying, geez, I, you know, I really wish I had uh, talked to somebody like Stacy during this process. Yeah. So, you know, I know you've recently done some research on the topic of women in divorce. Are there any, um, any information that you can share at kind of a high level uh, as to how financial planning might help a woman through that very difficult transition? It's um, a great, great piece of information for women to know that if they haven't been involved in the finances of their marriage, it's not too late. And the more financially savvy, the more women learn about their financial situation through the divorce, the better off they're actually going to be afterwards. And this means that this is a, a serious time for you to make sure that you understand what your financial needs are not only now but but long term because otherwise you're not going to be able to confidently make good decisions about your settlement agreement if you don't know what it's really going to look like for you long term and, mm -hmm. and is this really going to fit fit for me um, and there are a lot of unfortunately a lot of hurdles um, we see that uh, for women, uh, the majority of women, their standard of living goes down by a third after divorce. Three out of four women never collect all the child support that they're truly entitled to. Wow. So there are a lot of negative um, pieces, but there also are some very positive. And that is, is that the spending behavior of men 
versus women after divorce, um, women tend to have much healthier spending behavior after divorce, even compared to men. So women are getting the message, they're tightening their belt, they're making sure that what they're spending is feasible for the long term. The other thing that's wonderful is that when women get smart and become more educated about investing, women actually outperform men when it comes to investing. So while this might be an arena, arena that, that really frightens women, which I know before I got into this field, investing really frightened me too. But what I've learned is that women, we really research. We really think about uh, an asset allocation before we make an investment. We don't just buy something on a whim. And that really thoughtful, conscientious behavior supports us long term. And so when the market is going up and down and acting more like a roller coaster, we're much more willing to ride that. And many studies have, have shown, and I'm sure you've read them too, Kathleen, that um, people who stay invested in the market do better long term. And that's actually true of women. So we have all the DNA makings of being great investors, really smart spenders, and really good savers. We just need to help ourselves get financially literate and increase our confidence so that we can move down that path. Absolutely. And it's wonderful to hear that if you are contemplating going through this or you've been through a divorce, that it actually can be a really great opportunity to take care of yourself. And you have the statistics, and I certainly have had a series of friends or colleagues that I've witnessed this happen, where they were um, not paying attention to the money at all, and through the process of divorce have become uh, much more financially confident and actually really proud of being able to manage the money. So it's really uh, a wonderful uh, work that you do with these women to be able to do that, and a, a great message uh, to end on. But before I let you go, I want to know about your new uh, podcast. Thank you. Um, it sounds wonderful. I know in the future I'm going to get to be a guest, which is exciting for me. Um, so tell the audience members a little bit about uh, what your podcast is about. So the genesis of the podcast uh, was actually uh, the results of research that we just spent two years conducting, and we interviewed 150 women going through divorce. 70% of them said that they felt like they didn't get enough support through their divorce. And some of them cited that they wish they had had a financial planner and more financial information. Others said that I wish I had had more emotional support and had a, a therapist that better understood my needs. Um, so we heard all these different areas where women needed more support through our, our research. And we decided, well, okay, let's, let's do something about it. So that's what the podcast is all about. It's Financially Ever After, and it's the only podcast where we have, of course, experts uh, legal, emotional, and financial, telling you how to get through this process as unscathed and uh, as as whole as possible. Um, but we also interview women, um, the same women that have gone through this divorce and are looking back one, three, five, ten, even twenty years later, sharing what they did great, sharing what mistakes they made, and it's extremely uplifting to have these stories be told because women who are in the throes of going through sheer hell, um, you know, really for, for many women, it's the worst time of their life and the most traumatic hearing that there is a life after, that there is a happily ever after, and that these women too made it through, some of them even having to go on food stamps. I mean, the, the stories are, are just 
so powerful to hear the triumphant um, ability to overcome the challenges. And I know that every time I, I interview a woman, I just, my heart soars. And I'm so happy because these good stories about the after divorce and how wonderful your life can be need to be told. They really need to be told. Oh, I love that. I love that concept. And we definitely will put a link underneath this uh, podcast uh, to so people can check out uh, Financially Ever After. And you certainly are breaking money silence. And you are somebody who's been a revolutionary in this field for a long time. And so I really appreciate you stopping by and giving me this interview. So thank you so much, Stacey. Thank you, Kathleen. And what you're doing is revolutionary. And I want to say thank you, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at breakingmoneysilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to kbkwealthconnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.